Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Keller says that one of the great longings of the human heart is to be fully known and fully loved. Right? We have this thing we do as human beings where we hide parts of ourselves because we think, man, if people knew this about me, they wouldn't really love me. And yet God knows absolutely everything about us. Every fault, every failure, every sin, and yet in Christ, God the Father loves us through sheer grace. selfie culture, many are preoccupied with putting on a good face and making themselves lovable. We take pictures of ourselves in our most ideal moments and then plaster them all over social media, painting a picture that says life is perfect, when in fact, it's far from it. As Pastor Ricky examines today's passage and how it applies to us in our culture, we'll learn what it means to live outward and upward. Our lives will feel so much more fulfilled as we surrender ourselves to Christ and His mission in this world. Let's join Pastor Ricky now for part one of his message, Serving in a Selfie World, from the book of Philippians, chapter two. Philippians, chapter two this morning, as we continue our series on the book of Philippians. We like to say here that Jesus really is the senior pastor at Cross of Grace Church, and he leads his church through his word. And I love this. We're, con- we're committed to preaching expositionally, preaching passage by passage through books of the Bible. And it just so happens, we didn't plan this, it just so happens that as we're about to make this big jump, God has provided a passage on the importance of unity and the importance of being others focused. So I really do think this is what Jesus has for us. This is his word to us as we make this change. So Philippians 2 verse 1, this is God's word. So... If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is God's word. Well, according to an NPR interviewed titled, Me, 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 The Rise of Narcissism in the Age of the Selfie. What a title for an interview, right? We have a problem here, especially the younger folks among us. Younger meaning like, I don't know, 35 and under. This is what the article says. Millennials are more likely than their parents to claim they are above average in just about every way, from their leadership skills to their academic achievements to their drive to succeed. And while more millennials are getting straight A's and making plans for graduate school than previous generations, go millennials, there's no evidence they're actually any more productive or educated than their elders. On the whole, millennials are simply more narcissistic than previous generations. That is, they score higher on the narcissistic personality inventory. 
This survey asked people if they relate to statements like, quote, I have a natural talent for influencing people. And, quote, I like to look at myself in the mirror. The article wryly notes that, quote, how great you think you are doesn't actually correlate with how great you actually are. But this isn't, now, I know it's popular to slam millennials. I'm not trying to do that. This isn't just a millennial problem. After all, um, who raised these millennials and where did they come from? It's not as though they like arrived on the earth fully formed at age 18, narcissistic, right? It's like they just show up in the world, right? They learned it from someone. This is a cultural problem as well. Uh, pop songs are more focused on the self than ever before. So are books, which use phrases, phrases like, quote, I am special and, quote, all about me more frequently now, according to a language study. But despite all of this self-focus, we are not any happier. We are actually less happy. Millennials, most now in their 20s, report being more depressed and anxious than previous generations, right? So we have this cultural phenomenon where for the last 20 to 30 years, the move of our culture has been self-focus, right? And, and we've kind of believed this paradigm that if we could just be focused enough on ourselves, we could love ourselves enough, if we could be into ourselves enough and celebrate ourselves enough, then we would be happy. But the result is actually that we're more depressed and more anxious than ever before. Now, what does that have to do with today's text? Well, in today's text, it's easy for us to hear Paul encouraging us to care about others and say, yeah, 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 sure. I, I should care about others a bit more. I get that. That's fine. And then just go on with our lives. But Paul has something more radical and more specific in mind for us. And I think we need to understand, hey, we need to assume that this passage is really for us. It's not just Okay, it's for all Christians everywhere in all generations, but I think there's a unique application for this current generation and for our current time period, right? It's the difference between seeing a pamphlet, for example, uh, in your doctor's office about the dangers of sugar and the doctor in a, a medical checkup sliding the pamphlet over to you and saying, maybe you should take a look at this, Right? One is just like, oh yeah, it's good information for everybody. And then you realize, okay, this is for us. And I really think this passage in particular for our generation is, is the Lord sliding the pamphlet over to us this morning a little bit. This is a key point at which we depart from the culture around us. Paul does not, this is what our culture says. We should all think about others a bit more, right? That's what the culture says. This is what Paul says. Think about others before yourself which is radical in today's culture. So how do we get there? Well, the main idea today is simple, and I'm gonna unpack this as we go. The main idea is that living upward enables us to live outward, okay? Living upward enables us to live outward. And what I mean by that is living upward with a God focus enables us to live outward with, a, with an other's focus, all right? So, Section one, living upward, the joy of a God focus. See, before I want to talk about being others focused, we need to talk about being God focused. And that's exactly how Paul structures this section. Paul gets our eyes off of ourselves and onto God. He gives this rapid fire list of four truths about our relationship with God 
before he even talks about our relationship with others. And each of these are meant to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the Lord so we can then turn outward and serve others. He says this, so if there is any encouragement in Christ. Now, Paul is not saying like, maybe there's encouragement with Christ, maybe there's not, I don't know. Or like, if there is, if that were true, then yes. No, 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 it's a rhetorical question. Like, is the sky blue or is rain wet? It's a way of driving home what's true about our relationship with God. And what's really interesting is that Paul actually references the whole Trinity here, okay? He's talking about, he's essentially using these phrases to kind of pile on each other and kind of fill out the picture of our whole relationship with God. He talks about encouragement in Christ, He talks about the love of God, probably the love of God, the Father, and he talks about participation in the Spirit. So he's he's basically saying all of this, all of our relationship with God helps get our eyes off of ourselves. So let's walk through this. If there is any encouragement in Christ, he's asking, is it encouraging to be in Christ? Yes, I think it is encouraging to be in Christ. Paul starts the letter to the Philippians by writing to the saints who are, quote, in Christ. And we talked about that when we opened the letter. We were once far from Christ. We were once cut off from a relationship with Christ. And we were once separated from this relationship that we were made for as human beings. But now... Because of Christ, our sins have been paid for. Because of Christ, we've been raised to new life. Because of Christ, we live in this relationship. And all of that is summarized by being, quote, in Christ, right? All of that is summed up by being in Christ. Paul says in chapter three, he's gonna say later, that we have been found in Christ and we know Christ. Not just head knowledge know, but relationally know. Like we know a good friend or a loved one. See, this is meant to make our hearts sore. This pulls us out a bit of our self-focus. We realize that our joy and happiness aren't found down here looking in here, but out there and up there looking at Christ. When we look up and see the beauty and glory of Christ and what he's done, it kind of it short circuits our, our tendency to look down here as we look up there. Second, Is there any comfort from love? Paul's asking, do we receive any comfort from knowing that God the Father loves us? (laughs) Yes, we do. Paul reminds us that God the Father loves us through sheer grace when there is absolutely nothing lovely about us. Keller says that one of the great longings of the human heart is to be fully known and fully loved. Right? We have this thing we do as human beings where we hide parts of ourselves because we think, man, if people knew this about me, they wouldn't really love me. And yet God knows absolutely everything about us, every fault, every failure, every sin. And yet in Christ, God the Father loves us through sheer grace. And it's not just sort of this impassive, well, I love just all people. No, God loves us. If you're in Christ, he has set his love on you before the foundation of the world. And this, friends, this pulls us out of our self-focus, doesn't it? 
we realize that instead of chasing after other people to love us or to give us some kind of external validation, we can rest in the love of God. I think there is some comfort from the love of God, as Paul is saying. A third, is there any participation in the Spirit? Now, this word for participation is the same word for partnership used in chapter 1, verse 5, where he talks about being partners in the gospel. So the point is that we don't have a passing familiarity with the Spirit. We are uh, plunged into the Spirit, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. We have the Spirit living inside of us so that we can, as he says in, in Galatians, so that we can experience being sons and daughters of God. Not just it's legally true, but we experience it through the the power of the Spirit in our hearts. The Spirit is there to comfort us and secure us and to make us more like Jesus and equip us for Jesus' mission. And all of this pulls us out of our self-focus, right? The Spirit helps us experience the love of God. The Spirit helps us experience why it's so good to be in Christ. The Spirit shapes us to look more like Jesus. The Spirit pulls us outward and equips us for mission. And then Paul says, if there is any affection and sympathy. uh, John Stott points out that the affection here is the root and sympathy is the fruit, right? So the word affection is that in our innermost heart, we feel something for people around us. And then our sympathy flows outward in emotion that affects our actions. So the the effect of knowing Christ and knowing the Father and knowing the Spirit is that our hearts change. That They begin to flow outward with affection and compassion for others. We've been shown such great affection by God and have experienced His compassion that now those things are created in our hearts for others. We begin to have affection for others and it flows out of us in compassion and sympathy. And this is such a mindset shift for us, especially in our culture. See, one of the big reasons I think that we don't live kind of outwardly, we, we live inwardly, is that we think this, but if I do that, who will take care of me, right? If I give up my time and my emotion, my affection, if I'm living focused on the happiness of others, what about me? You know, there's, there's this phenomenon, common phenomenon with some adopted children who especially come from very difficult or, or potentially third world scenarios who are adopted by American families. Uh, one common behavior is that after arriving, they will often kind of hoard things or store things up, like, like hair clips. So you give them a hair clip, rather than just being, okay, great, and just leave it on the floor. They'll, they'll store it. They'll hold it precious. Or, or a plastic cup, like if you get, give the, a plastic cup to them to drink at lunch, they'll want to keep that and hold on to that. Not put it in a cupboard, but hold on to it. Or even a small toy that you think, okay, that thing costs a dollar. It's from the dollar store. No, it'll be hidden under their bed. This is a common phenomenon. And here's why it occurs. They're used to not having those things and and looking at all of life through the lens of, I don't know if I'm ever going to get one more of those. I don't know if I'm ever going to be taken care of by anybody. So I have to do that. And I have to store and gather and hoard all this stuff because who knows if someone's going to take care of me. 
And sharing can be difficult sometimes for these kids. Like if, you, if that's their, their cup and they're like, no, I don't want to give that to that person because I might never get another one. But then slowly, often the child realizes, you know what? Mom and dad will get me another hair clip. They will wash another cup for me and give it to me. They will give me more toys. It's okay. I can share these things. I can give these things away. I can stop living kind of fearful that anything I get is going to be taken away from me. And this is exactly the, the, the same kind of mindset that we experience in Christ. Because outside of Christ, cut off from the happiness of God and the source of our happiness and joy in God, cut off from his encouragement and comfort and, and participation with him, the way that we see the world is that we're like trying to fight and squabble over little bits of joy and happiness with other people, right? Well, I need that promotion, right? Because I don't know if I'll ever get another one. I don't have any other sources of goodness. Or I need this relationship, right? How dare you try to steal my boyfriend or whatever, right? I, I need this thing. I, I've got to have this new iPhone. I, and, and we begin to like fight and squabble and, 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 and it just becomes like the world is a wreck that way. But see, this is a mind shift because, because Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Stop looking down, but look up, right? See that the Lord cares for you. See the wave of encouragement that is endless for you in Christ. Feel the comfort from love that God loves you. Experience the participation of the Spirit. And from that place, when your eyes go from looking downward to looking upward, you're finally ready to live outward and to care about others. So let's move to step number two, living outward. The joy of being others-focused. This is kind of a two-step process. I love what Paul does here. Rather than just say, hey, stop living inward, live outward. No, he says, no, no, first look up, see that the Lord will provide all you need, and then live outward. Paul says, complete my joy by caring about one another. See, Paul is calling back to uh, chapter 1, verse 5, where he says that their partnership in the gospel brings him joy. And now he says, complete my joy by being others-focused. Now, this is an extraordinary statement, okay? Paul is in prison, remember? I can think of a lot of things that could bring Paul joy. Uh, here's a small list. Uh, decent food and not gruel would probably bring Paul some joy. Or public vindication in front of his countrymen and all the Romans would bring him joy. Or how about this, being freed from prison would probably bring Paul's joy. And, and he goes, no, 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 whatever about that stuff. You know what I really want to complete my joy, to give me the full package? You guys being others-focused. See, he's modeling exactly what he's telling the Philippians to do. He's saying, you guys be others-focused. You know what I really, really, really want that would make me happy? You guys being others-focused. Because he's concerned about them, not himself. Paul's joy is found in the flourishing of other people around him. Paul's joy is found in the flourishing of the other believers around him. And this is not just Paul's joy. This should be true of every Christian. Our joy is found in the flourishing of others around us. But we have a culture that makes it really difficult for us to do this. We are a culture that trumpets individualism and independence. And now I'll totally acknowledge we have time to get into all the aspects of this. There are aspects of that that are good, but there is such a strong cultural pull toward those things that we can get twisted inward, right? Take, for example, the American dream. 
which you could sum up in, in saying, okay, I want to make more money than my parents. I want to have a nice house. I want to have time and money for leisure. I want somebody that makes me feel special and kids that bring me joy, right? That, that entire dream is defined in terms of self. Especially that phrase I hear from everybody all the time, I want to find someone who makes me feel special, right? And you're like, but so their point is to make you feel special? How do you find somebody that, that you think is special and you want to make, no, never mind, but that's just for free. <laughs> the American dream is not exactly what Paul is describing here. Paul's dream is this. I want to help everyone around me flourish. I want to make sure they're okay. I want to make sure they have enough to eat. I want to make them feel special. I want to bring them joy. That's the, the Pauline dream, right? He's living the dream, people, in a Roman prison. And he's saying, you know what? I need one more thing, though. If I could have just one more thing. You guys have the same mindset as I do. Man, that would, that would just make it. It would, it would complete my dream. Man, do you feel the difference of how like radical that feels like to Americans? I bet you in your mind, you're raising objections. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what about, you know, this independent thing? And what about this good individualism? And we want to work hard, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we're going to get to that exception in a minute. But I want you to feel the difference between what we culturally value and what Paul is saying we should value, okay? We need to feel that. So first, remember that we are not wired to be obsessed with ourselves, we are wired to find our happiness in God and our joy in God. We start there. But then as God acts for the flourishing of good of others, we follow his example and we act for the flourishing and good of others. And we find, surprise, surprise, that we experience true joy. Paul is not making this up, okay? He's not just using a rhetorical device saying, you know what would really make me happy? If you would do, like, like a mom that's fresh with a kid, you know what would make me happy if for once in your life, you would pick up your room? That would make me, you know, Paul is not, he doesn't have that attitude. He's saying, man, I really do experience tons of joy when I see you guys flourishing. And if I could get anything in the world, it would see you flourish more in your relationship with Christ. Yes. Like he experiences real joy and so do we as we follow his example. So let's break this down into some key categories. What does it look like to live outward? First, live outward in your mind. Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This phrase being of one mind means literally thinking the same thing. Complete my joy by thinking the same thing. If you've ever played in a team sport, right, where the coach draws up a play and everyone hits the court or hits the field with the same drawing in their minds, you know what Paul is talking about, right? Complete my joy of all having the same play as you take the field. That's what he's saying. But it goes deeper than just sort of a play on a chalkboard. It's, he adds this, having the same love. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Whether you've read the entire Bible or encountered it for the first time today on Better News Radio, you can learn about true joy from the happiest book in the Bible. This book, the book of Philippians, shares just how this joy can be accessed. 
and how it's only possible through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Would you like to know more about who Jesus is and how you can find the joy that he offers? Then please give us a call. You can reach us at 915-562-7100. That number again is 915-562-7100. We'd also like to point you to a free online book answering questions that you might have. It's called Better News, and it's written by Pastor Ricky. Find it online at betternewsradio.com. Download and read it when you have some time, and feel free to share it. We'd like to encourage you also to join a local church. This will provide you a stable home base for your spiritual growth and a new family to support and encourage you. If you happen to be in the El Paso area, please come visit us at Cross of Grace Church. We meet each Sunday, and we'd love to have you be a part of our time of worship and Bible study. You can find directions and service times online at betternewsradio.com. Just click on church. We're so excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Better News Radio. We pray you continue to be blessed by what you hear and that you'll meet Jesus personally today. Join us next time for more from the happiest book in the Bible, Philippians, right here on Better News Radio.